Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope, that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, local city. How we how we doing this morning? It's um it's a pleasure to uh, to get up here and be able to share the word with you this morning. Uh, the the title of this morning's message uh, might be a throwback to some, or maybe it's just some words to you. Uh, but the title of this morning's message is "I know you are." But what am I? Well, what am I? And so uh, I, I titled this message that because I was, I was reflecting and reading through some scripture, and I felt uh, like what I was led to to share this morning resonated with that statement. Um, I, I thought about when I was a kid, and you're on the playground, and somebody says something to you that's mean, or they're, you're ugly, or you're, you're not smart, you're dumb. Uh, back when I was growing up, one of the classic, you know, slapbacks was, I know you are, but what am I? You know, and that's, that's kind of how we, we operated when I was growing up, and I don't know how long that's been around, or if kids are still doing that, probably not, uh, as trends go, but I remember saying that as a, as a kid, and I was thinking about that as I was working through this, this passage of Scripture that kind of God laid on my heart. And, and I kept coming back to this phrase, I know you are, uh, but what am I? And I think that as children, we, we did that, right, when somebody would say something mean or harsh against us out of a place to protect ourselves. And, and unfortunately, the way that we did that maybe wasn't the most healthy with an I know you are, but what am I? Because really, that's, that's deflecting. Or it's, it's putting up a wall, or it's kind of separating ourselves from that moment, not taking a minute to address it, uh, or really reflect on it, or navigate it maybe in the most healthy way. And unfortunately, I think as we get old, we continue to play that game. We continue to play that game where when things come against us, or we feel weak, or we feel insignificant or insecure in a certain moment with what's said about us, or how we feel, or maybe what we're experiencing, or some adversity that's facing us, we can put up a wall, or we can put on a mask, or we can deflect, and we can wander off into some territory that maybe isn't the most healthiest for us, rather than navigating that with God. And so I think there's a really unique section of Scripture that actually kind of addresses this, this, this deep core kind of foundational internal struggle. And it's a, it's a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians, and really there's like a three-chapter section. It's chapters 10 through 12. I implore you to go read it. We're not going to read all three chapters today. That's homework for you. But uh, what we are going to focus in on is kind of the, the closeout of that passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul is dealing with this problem himself. Paul is an incredible man of God that has turned his life around and begins to plant churches throughout the known world with this radical transformation that's happened in his life, meeting Jesus and experiencing him. He takes that to the world. One of the churches that he plants is in a city called Corinth, and he writes them letters because he's busy planting churches in several different cities, and so as he's traveling, he wants to continue to converse with and encourage the churches he's already planted. And what happens, in, and what we see here in this letter that he writes to the Corinthians is in this three-chapter section in 10, 11, and 12, he, he starts to kind of begin to defend his ministry because he has found out in the city of Corinth, some guys have showed up that have started to whisper to the small church that he's planted, well, Paul's not who he said he was. 
or you, you shouldn't trust him, or Here, here's what you should really be doing, or, or dismissing Paul and his ministry or coming against him, and he's clearly frustrated about that and writes about that, and, and kind of in a, in a healthy, biblical, spiritual way helps us look at a role model, how we examine and deal with that particular struggle. And I think what he writes here is really powerful. In uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 6 through 10, we're going to read this little section. Paul says, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond uh, what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So let, let's pray a little bit because we need to invite the Holy Spirit in this conversation because it's a little heavier topic, and then we'll, we'll dive into some of the specifics that Paul references here. But if you bow your heads, God, we just, we say come and have your way this morning. Father, that as we press into your word and we, we learn how to tackle uh, sort of situations and circumstances like this in moments where we feel weak, in moments where we feel not enough, in moments where we feel insecure, in moments where we feel like somebody has, has pricked something in us that there's a little truth to and it hurts because we don't know how to navigate it. Father, I just ask that you come into these moments as we read scripture, Father, and you have your way. You teach us something today, Father. Help us not to leave this place the same as when we walked in, Father. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think when... um, when we're looking at this powerful passage of Scripture, I don't know, I've read this probably about a billion times in, in my faith journey, uh, and, and for a, lot of, a long time, it's really confounded me. You know, I read it, and I'm just like, okay, that's, that sounds really good, but God, what does that mean? You know, how, how do I apply that? How do I take this, this phrase that seemingly makes no sense and make sense of it? And I think sometimes uh, there's a little bit of a mistake in there. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that it's supposed to make sense. I think it's supposed to be God. And so that's okay that I don't understand why in my weakness, all of a sudden God can show up and do something that I could never do in my own strength. But he does. And, and what Paul references in this little section of scripture are, are two things in this like three chapter passage. And the first thing that he tells us to do when we're facing this kind of adversity, when we're navigating insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles that we suffer is to boast in the Lord. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 17, it says, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Paul comes straight at this situation and circumstance right from the beginning with boasting in the Lord. And I think if, if, if we take a step back and we really think about what that means, the, the, the word boast here that Paul uses over and over again really translates to glory, to, to glory in the Lord to lift the Lord up, to recognize the Lord for who he is and to recognize ourselves for who we're not. And so when we boast in the Lord, there's a couple of different ways that we can kind of put practical handles on that for us. 
The first is simply, as we reference back to 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says that the Lord responds to him, my grace is all you need. What, what we have to resolve to do in situations where we find ourselves feeling weak or our weaknesses being pointed out or how do we navigate this is simply to embrace grace. And, and I think that what we really have to, to resolve and why I use that word is because it's no easy thing is to let God's grace wow you. I mean, really like kind of step outside of yourself and the situation and circumstance and just get alone with God and let yourself be wowed again. I think of a couple of different passages of Scripture that kind of show the character of God, and as I was reading through and preparing this message, you know, you could find 50 different stories that kind of speak to the, the grace and power of God that's almost unexplainable and so magnificent. I was thinking about Job. If you never read Job, it's a 40-chapter book, so if you're thinking and getting like, really into it. You can go read that one. But at the end of Job, Job has a conversation with God about the struggles he's facing, about the persecution and hardships that had befallen his life, which are pretty heavy if you read through the story. And, and God simply responds to Job by saying, hey, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? I mean, when I was measuring out the heavens, what were you doing? And all of a sudden, it puts into perspective, man, the God we serve set the stars in place. He breathed life into each of us. We wake up tomorrow because he allows it. And so sometimes it's good to take a, take a step back and say, wow, I, I have a relationship with that God. That's the grace that I can step into. That's the grace that I can embrace. And further on from that, it's, it's, it's one thing to believe he said it. It's another thing to believe he meant it. I think about the woman that's caught in adultery and brought before Jesus in that situation uh, where Jesus writes in the dirt and, and he tells the crowd that's bullying her and telling her that, that, that she deserves to be killed in this moment. And Jesus says, hey, whoever's never sinned, you cast the first stone. And he looks up at the woman and he says, hey, where are your accusers? And, and she says, they're gone. And he says, oh, well, then I don't accuse you either. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. How powerful is that if she believes that he meant it rather than just believing he said it? And so it, it, it's that grace. It's that Jesus. It's the one who gets down in the dirt with you that creates these powerful moments that can really allow you to work through some of these things like what Paul was facing. The second thing that he does, and this is equally as powerful, is that he invites God into it. He invites God into it. Now, why is that important, and where do we see that? We see that here, where Paul talks about that he's given this thorn in his flesh. We don't, we don't know what that means. You could speculate all you want. I assume it's physical, because he says flesh, but it, it might not be. Theologians debate this to, to, to no end. But he talks about what he did with that issue says, I went to God and I begged the Lord to take it away from me. He's had multiple conversations with God about this thing. He has invited the Lord into this struggle and this weakness. And ultimately, what we can learn from that is when I let God into it, I let the pressure out of it. Now, this, this doesn't mean that Paul lost the thorn in his flesh. In fact, Scripture is quite clear he didn't. 
But he lost the pressure of that weakness because he invited God into that space. And what does Jesus say to the disciples in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice, Jesus doesn't say there's no burden, right? And, and Paul doesn't say, oh, I prayed and the third time was the charm, right? That's not where we get that saying from, okay? So we have to be honest and real about the fact that God will navigate some things with us, but he has purpose in it for us. I, I, think, it's, it's, I think it's really important here that we stop and we pause and we say when we invite God into it, that means that we have to be satisfied with what, what God works through in us in that situation. Because Paul begged for the thorn to be taken away. And let's, let's recognize in this passage, God answers his prayer. He provides him with grace. Now, is that what Paul wanted? I don't know. But that's what Jesus provided. And so I think we have to recognize that in any moment when we pray to God and we bring him into a situation, even if we're begging and pleading for this one thing, what I don't know is how God's going to answer it, but what I do know is that he will. I don't, I don't know how God's going to show up in your situation. I don't know if you're going to get the answer you're hoping for, but I'll tell you this. There have been times in my life where I've been super glad five, ten years down the road that what I was asking for, I didn't get. So we have to recognize that important step of inviting God into it, but allowing God to work in it and taking him at his word. It's one thing to believe he said it. It's another thing to believe he meant it. When I let God into it, I let the pressure out of it. That's the first step, right? We've got to boast in the Lord. Now, we've got to glory. We've got to lift it up to him. Now, this is where, that's the easy part, <laughs> Right? I mean, we're all here, we're all, from, for the most part, most of us in this room, we know that it's better when we turn to God. We, we, we know that we've had that moment, that grace experience, where we've realized all that I've done and all that I've been forgiven of, and in, we've invited God into things, we've seen him work. This is where it gets countercultural. This is where we have to fight the flesh, and that's part two. Paul tells us to boast in the Lord, but then he also tells us, we've got to boast in your weakness, that's easy to say, it's easy to read, but when it gets into practical walk it out steps, it can be very, very difficult. But what are we saying here? What, what, what Paul's saying by boasting in my weakness is the same way in which I'm lifting my glory and my praise and my honor and my perspective to God. I have to lift my weakness up to God. I have to give him every area of my life, not just the ones that I'm proud of, not just the ones that I think I'm best at, but all of me. And that's no small thing. That's, that's, a, that's what the whole faith journey is for. That's why I'm glad it's longer than one day, because I need time for that as well. But what he points out here in boasting in your weakness is that the arch enemy of being able to boast in our weakness is our own pride. We have to resist pride. And I think Paul makes that evident and clear beyond measure because he just doesn't say... He, 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 he did this to me. He allowed this in my life, right? If we go back to the verse in, in 2 Corinthians 12, he didn't allow this to keep me from becoming proud once. He said, to keep me from becoming proud twice. 
Paul recognizes that his pride stands in the way of him being able to boast in his weakness. I think this, uh, uh, since we had a C.S. Lewis quote today, we'll do one more. Um, we'll, we'll throw this up there uh, from C.S. Lewis. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. How do I, how do I boast in my weaknesses? How do I lift all of me up to God? It's certainly not by looking down. And I think this is the struggle that, that Paul walks us through is he says in the beginning of the verse, if I wanted to boast, I'd be no fool in doing so. I'm an accomplished person. Right? I am a citizen of Rome. I am a former Pharisee. I know the law. I've walked in perfection. I've done all these things, but I can, I can boast in that, but I won't because that would be me striving. That would be me deflecting. That would be me hiding. And I don't want to do that. I want to be authentic. I want to be a person that's honest before God. I want an intimate relationship with him. And so I have to look up and I have to lift all of me, even the weaknesses, even the ugly parts, even the stuff that I don't like and I don't want anybody to know about. I have to lift that up to God as well. In James 4, 6 through 8, it says he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. I think if we, if we recognize that pride can, can so overly complicate things and take us down a path that's further from Jesus, we can recognize that as we're embracing grace like we just talked about and boasting in the Lord, we have an opportunity in that moment to embrace humility as well. The second thing that I think helps us boast in our weaknesses is the promise that Paul talks about. He says right at the end that the Lord responded, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So I am glad to boast in my weaknesses. I'm glad to hand all of myself over to God so that the power of Christ can work through me. You have an invitation when you hand all of yourself over to God to participate with Christ. But it takes owning it. Only when I own it can I say it can't own me. And, and what do I mean by it? At the heart of I know you are, but what am I is an identity question. Wh who are you, God? And, and who am I? And so ultimately, when, when we get this invitation to participate in Christ, what, what I mean by uh, it, when I own it, I have to own who God says he is and trust him at his word there. But I also have to recognize who I am or maybe who I'm not. And, and so when we look at this and we say, my power is made perfect in, or my power is made perfect in your weakness, my grace is all you need, I think what God is saying there is, hey, Will you trust me? Will you trust me with all of it? Will you, will you, will you at least take a step of faith and see if I show up and, and I act like who I'm saying I'm going to be? And are you going to walk out the, the purpose that I have with you? The last tag there is that there is purpose in your story. Paul used to be Saul. 
Saul used to go around killing Christians. If you read through the book of Acts, you'll find out. He, 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 he was there condoning the murder of people who were following Jesus because he thought that that was absolutely ridiculous, that, that we would depart from the Torah and the way of the Pharisees and that we would worship some other man as the Messiah. And so he was condoning all of that, moving from city to city, putting people in chains, condoning murder. And all of a sudden, he has one experience with Jesus and all of that changes. But he recognizes that that transformation that allows for true purpose in his story is only possible when he owns not only who God is, but who God's called him to be. He walks in that, trusts in that. So, so today, what I, what I want to challenge us to do, right, or at least the people that grew up when I didn't know, I know you are, but what am I, is to, to reframe that a little bit, to, to turn it on its head, and, and to own it, not in maybe the unhealthy, deflecting or hiding or whatever kind of way it might be, but to say, I know you are God. I know your, your grace is sufficient for me. I am, I am wowed by you, God. The, the miracles that you've done in my life and in the lives of other people, I, I invite you into my story. And, and not just not just the good parts, right? Where where you know, honestly, if I'm honest, that's where I stumble. I, I over here doing this and doing that. God, look at me, look at me. The, the the proud person says, "Look at me, but not this." Right? The humble servant, what am I? Says, "God, I, I you're the potter, I'm the clay. You you fit all these broken pieces together that." This is, this is where I've gotten me. So, so you take that. I invite you in. I resist pride because I want to participate with you. I want to get on your team and do what you're doing. I want, I want to find the purpose in my story and walk that out. I want what you have for me. I want the transformation that you see in Saul to Paul in my life. And I believe that you can do it because if you did it with him, you can do it with me. I think we have incredible opportunity, but it only comes with some honest conversations with God and how we've been dealing with some of these situations that we might be facing. And so what we have to do, the hard work, right, is to learn how do I practically boast in the Lord and rather than turning around and, and boasting in my, in my strength, how do, I, how do I boast in my weakness? What does that look like? What does that look like for me? And how does that help me find purpose in what God's doing in my life, in my story? So let's bow our heads, close our eyes, pray over this word. God, we're so thankful for you. We're gonna take a minute and just wow at you that you would create all of this and then intimately step down into it with the gift of your son, Jesus. That you would seek to be involved with each individual person, that you would know them by name, every struggle, every weakness, every hardship, and that you would invite that upon yourself. That you would invest in what we're doing here, that you would hope to redeem us and allow us to find purpose 
in our story. So God, now in this moment, we come and we say collectively, have your way in this room, in our hearts, and do a new thing. Help us to respond in, in new ways. Help us to face adversity and hardship and insult and pressure in a way that honors you, in a way that is healthy and spiritually sound. Lord, we love you and we thank you that when we invite you into this work, you get involved and you do something that we could never do in our own strength because we weren't meant to. And we praise you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on The Local Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to local church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to local.church slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.